Hi, everyone. This is Eric Martin from the band Mr. Big, the handsome one that stands right in the middle. That's me. And you're listening to Music Mania Podcast. You are locked and loaded on the Music Mania Podcast. Thank you so much, man. I, I love talking about the things that I love, Clint. And for you to allow me to do it with you, uh, I am the Music Mania Podcaster. We roll tonight to the guitar bite. And for those about to rock, I salute you. You ready for some screaming heavy metal? Scream for me, Brazil! Scream for me, Brazil! We rock! You are now listening to the Music Mania Podcast, the number one hard rock podcast in the Midwest. Featuring hard-hitting interviews with rock's living legends. And now, here's your host, Clint Schweitzer. Admittedly, I have a little more pep in my step this week here on the Music Mania Podcast. Of course, for the last eight months, we've been missing concerts, missing going to sporting events, traveling, doing things with our friends and family. It's been kind of a bummer. There's no way around it. I mean, the last concert I went to was about a month ago, Uric, Missouri. I saw Quiet Riot. It was kind of a one-off. It just happened. And prior to that, it has been since February of 2020 in Vegas. I saw Aerosmith and I, I've just been missing live music so much. It's been great being able to continue doing this podcast and talking to artists and uh, talking about you know what's going to happen. What's the outlook for 2021 and, and beyond and what kind of music are people working on? But this week, I have a different approach. I just, I feel really happy, really upbeat. Thanksgiving's coming up. It's my favorite holiday. I love football. I love family. And Thanksgiving has always been the personification of that for me growing up. We'd always have whatever football game was on in the background. Of course, the Redskins or the Cowboys, they always play. But then you have college games like Ole Miss, Mississippi State. And those games were just on. It was a part of the fabric of my family and my upbringing is football is such a big part of our lives. So I'm excited for Thanksgiving. Not exactly sure how it's going to go. But, you know, when the holiday season approaches, I guess all we can do is try to be more positive and try to get through this thing, man. And this week, I'm going to be talking with someone that has never been on this show before. And I'm so excited. Gunnar Nelson of the band Nelson is going to be joining me. I've always been such a fan of the Nelson twins, of Nelson. I remember being a kid and uh, being a big Full House fan. I remember uh, in DJ Tanner's room, she had a big Nelson poster, the two guys with the long blonde hair, the sons of Ricky Nelson, the grandsons of Ozzy and Harriet. Gunnar is going to be talking about some of the projects that they have coming up, including Firstborn Sons. This is something that I am really excited about. When the new year hits, he and Matthew have been working on this Firstborn Sons album and uh, new music for that. Of course, they tour relentlessly, whether it be under the moniker of Nelson, whether it be with Scrap Metal, which was uh, you know, a group founded by they and Mark Slaughter, Kelly Kagey from Night Ranger, and Eric Martin from Mr. Big. Uh, Scrap Metal's tremendous, and I really hope that uh, I'm able to see them live once things get back heading in the right direction, but is also going to be talking about the 30th anniversary of the band's infamous debut, After the Rain. It came out June 26, 1990. It featured mega hits, I Can't Live Without Your Love and Affection, and of course, After the Rain. After the Rain is one of my favorite music videos of all time. I remember being a kid, six years old, 
just kind of learning about music, watching MTV, trying to figure out just what I liked and what about music that I dug. And I remember that video came on and I remember I always kind of had a sensitive side as a kid. In that video, it's about a boy who kind of lives in a bad home, lives in this kind of trashy mobile home. And through a vision quest, an Indian is able to send him, he of course gets sucked into the poster, the Nelson poster, and he's transposed into a magical rainforest where Nelson, the band, are playing live. And that image has just been indelible to me. And I love that video, that song to this day. And I don't think that Nelson gets the you know credit they deserve because that After the Rain album is tremendous. Of course, it came kind of at the end of uh, you know the hair metal scene. It came out in 1990, so in just short order, that music was really out of style. But they continue on to this day, whether it be doing the um, Ricky Nelson tribute act that they have, Christmas with the Nelsons, uh, which won't be able to happen this year, unfortunately. But stay tuned to the band's social medias, Matthew and Gunnar Nelson. They are going to be announcing some stuff, some live shows that will be done virtually, things of that nature. Just keep an eye out. Keep supporting these guys. I'm just a huge fan. And this is wonderful for me. After all these years, I've really tried to make this interview happen with uh, either Matthew or Gunner or both <laughs> for many years now. It's finally happening here on the Music Media Podcast, and we can't thank you enough for sticking with us through thick and thin. As always, hit us up on our website, musicmaniapodcast.com, and hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher or Spotify. We always appreciate you leaving a star rating and some feedback. Helps us continue doing what we do. So without further ado, let's go to this week's interview, which I did via Zoom with Gunnar Nelson. If you want to check out that video, it's available on our YouTube channel, Ignitro Entertainment. How's it going, man? Man, it's going good. It's going good. Hey, sorry for the hat, man. My day got away from me. I wasn't able to look uh, showered. No, I love the hat. That adds so much to the the ambience of the situation, man. I, we thank you so much for for joining us here on the Music Mania podcast. This is a first, and this is a special one for me, my friend. Thank you so much. And uh, what's uh, what's been up, man? Everything going go, going okay there? That's going great. It's going great. It's been a wacky year for all of us, I think. Uh, it, you know, we've actually done a pivot, and uh, of course, we can't go out there and we can't do any shows, which totally sucks. But uh, it's going to change here coming up here pretty soon, looks like. Um, but, you know, it's given us some time to actually go back to the drawing board and do a lot of writing, do a lot of recording. And that's been going incredibly well. We've got a new project called Firstborn Sons. It's going to debut in 2021. And it's the best work we've ever done. And you know, honestly, if we didn't have all this time off the road, there's no way in the world we would have been able to finish it and get to it, you know? Yeah, that story is something I've heard a lot from artists that have uh, obviously are bummed out about the lack of touring, but have had time to kind of delve in on new music. That's awesome. Can't wait to, to see kind of that come to fruition. But as you're trying to plan for things uh, in 2021, I mean, you guys are, you guys are so busy. You do you know, any number of things you do. You do monsters of rock cruises. You do, um, you know, kind of the, the Ricky Nelson shows you do the Christmas shows. How hard is it to, to try to even plan with your management, what to do going forward? Well, I think things are going to change. You know, I think uh, there's some things that are going to be the same coming out of the COVID era and some things that are going to be a little different, different, you know, the one thing that I realized in going through this and sitting down and kind of taking stock in my life that I think a lot of people have been forced to do because of being shut in at home or, or not able to go out there and work is I realized after 30 years of going on the road, doing, doing the weekend touring after the After the Rain tour, you know, we were doing up to 100 shows a year, every single year. And then you put your head up after doing your best job that you can do and, and stuff for all that time. And you go, where did all the time go? You know, this is crazy. I mean, I, I, I realized that that my groove had become a rut 
And I was out there paying bills and enjoying what I was doing and, and stuff, but I was mining memories. I was doing Nelson music or I was doing Ricky Nelson remembered or, uh, you know, I mean, basically that was what my, my gig was and I, I love it and there's no dishonor in it, but I still don't think that I'm done saying all the things that I need to say. And that's where Firstborn Sons came into it. So I realized that 2021 is really going to be a decided change as far as what we focus on, you know, rather than being helter skelter all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm looking at doing off the top of my head is the amount of Ricky Nelson remembered shows that we've been doing is going to flip flop with Firstborn Sons. That's going to be our priority 2021 and going forward. Uh, we're already talking to a couple of major labels. And if we find that they're useful to us in this internet world, we're going to partner up with them and do some great work. But, you know, I think the music is going to stand for itself. And after that, it's just going to be about consistency, getting online like this on a consistent basis, connecting with our fans and organically building that brand to where it's really kind of a word of mouth thing. And and our goal, I mean, our ultimate goal is we designed this trip to be something that you can't miss when it comes to town. It's such a fun show and such a good show that you want to go out and you want to see it. And that's kind of what I want for the rest of my life and the rest of my career is a project that, that gives people that kind of energy and passion and come out and see it live. Oh, that's amazing and much deserved. And we can't wait to see that. I, I, I tell you, I'm just such a fan of everything you guys do. And, you know, one of the ways you've been kind of keeping, you know, in touch with fans and, and keeping out there is uh, some of the live performances you've done uh, via meathook.live. Just kind of talk about that, how those have gone. I know that's kind of a thing that just sort of jumped into fruition here at, at, kind of by, you know, be, it had to happen due to 2020, you know, so a lot of artists yeah, have, have done this. So how's it been going? Well, it's been going great. I mean, I think a lot of bands, a lot of artists out there had to kind of figure out what to do, you know, when they were told, I mean, look, this was the first industry that was shut down. You know, COVID happened. Matthew and I were touring at the time. We we're doing a, a sold out run of shows in Canada at the Fallsview Casino. It's a beautiful 4,000 seat theater. You know, we had eight shows that we were in the middle of. And then we basically got told one day unexpectedly, you know, hey, the demon cootie is here and <laughs> we're shutting everything down. And, and you know, that was a really interesting show. I gotta be honest with you, because we were doing a Ricky Nelson Remembered show. And a lot of the fans of that show are in the older age bracket, obviously. And we went out, we, we were gonna finish that one matinee and then basically go to the airport, rent a car and drive all the way the 16 hours back to Nashville before they closed the border, which we were able to do about two hours before they did close the border, which I'm really glad for. I didn't, we didn't get stuck, but that show was really interesting. You know, I felt, I felt like, you know, obviously a, a less intense version of the band that was playing on the deck of the Titanic. And, <laughs> you know, we were sitting there and we were, we were ministering to the fans of that knowing that there were a lot of people in that age group that were really at risk, you know? Um, and it was very sobering, but I was there with my brothers and we were making music. And the thing that was really interesting is when the whole thing went down, what we realized, just emotionally speaking, these are the times that your favorite artists were made for. This is our moment. It's our moment when everybody else is freaking out and everybody else is in despair and everyone's being peddled all this fear. Our job is to calm you down, is to be that band on the deck of the ship and to be there uh, to, to, for you. Like all of our music has been for all of us throughout all the years, it's been our friend. It's been what we you know, rely on. And, and you know, I realized I kind of walked away from that about a week ago. I was pretty despondent 
And then I started to listen to some of my favorite songs, the bands I listened to from my hit parade when I was in junior high and high school and stuff. And I felt so much better mm -hmm. after all that. And, you know, I think this is really, honestly, all of this has been an opportunity to pivot, to, to change what you're doing. Meat Hook Live and all that, that was one of a bunch of services when this whole thing happened. Really, the industry was caught, you know, behind the eight ball. We, we really actually had to play catch up. There are only a couple of video services that were out there that could support a live concert thing and monetize that for the bands, make it interactive for the fans. Uh, uh, Evan from Evan and Jaron has his own company and they're really good and they were actually up and running and he's a great guy. So I'm glad he's doing well with all of this. He actually, since he had something, the only one that was really up and running, uh, he did very, very well. And then a couple of competitors came along, one being Meat Hook. And we've done a couple of different uh, events with them. We've got one coming up December 20th because we don't get to tour this year right. with our favorite show, which is Christmas with the Nelsons. Right. It's built to this thing over the last six years where it's super successful. Like we always tour, like starting the day after Thanksgiving, we're on the road with this up until Christmas. We, we, every day we're playing. And this year, man, that was a bummer. Just realizing, and we're not going to be able to go out and do this tour. Okay, so enter Meat Hook in the, the, the live stream. And so we're doing our version of Christmas with the Nelsons on the 20th. And, uh, you know, people can actually save that and play that all the way through New Year's Eve if they actually pick up the show. But, man, we, we've been looking forward to this forever, actually having a show this year, you know. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's really been a wonderful thing to have that available to us. It really is. And, um, you know, I hope everybody will support that and, and check out, because I, I just think, that it's tremendous. The, the Christmas with the Nelsons is just, uh, it's just hits you right in the feels. It's warm hearted. It's wonderful. And you guys to be able to do something and provide something like that for the fans still in this, uh, yeah. these uncertain times, I'm tired of saying that. Um, I'll tell you what, Gunner, um, you know, you've done something impactful in the music business when you start celebrating anniversaries and you guys certainly have done that this year with the 30th anniversary of after the rain, congratulations on that and the Thank fact you, that man. i saw so many wonderful people so many impactful artists wishing you guys you know congratulating you guys on that jim peterick was one of them a good friend of ours we and love jim i love Jay's jim my favorite guys i love uh, him and his purple hair uh yes and he, he's the only one that could pull it off at his age and god bless him for it um but we just you know taking us back through that when you does it feel like 30 years i know that's a broad question but does it feel like it's been 30 years and kind of harken us back to some, some memories you have from recording that? Cause it's uh, certainly, uh, you know, a huge moment for you guys and, and for music. Cause that was one of the first music videos I remember as a kid, I'm only 36. So at age six, that thing came out uh, for after the rain. And I mean, always been a fan of it. So kind of take us through that. Thank you. Well, uh, it, it actually is kind of surreal that it's been 30 years to me because I don't feel any different. And you're going to find this because you're a youngster, but and get put 20 years on you and you're still inside going to feel like you're 15, you know, until you try to like throw the football or something like that. And you're exactly. going to go, oh. <laughs> you know, it's kind of what, but in, inside, you know, I still feel like that 18 year old kid that got signed to Geffen or the 22 year old that scored a number one or, you know, that same 22 year old that went out and played for a million fans on a tour that we had to headline because no one would take us out as a support act, you know, um, it's never been easy for Nelson ever. And it's never, it's been the family karma. You know, it, it, I'm not saying it wasn't successful, but no one ever opened doors for anybody in this family, including my father, Rick, including my grandparents, Ozzie and Harriet. We've never been 
like a family that's been on the inside of the industry. You know, even when we got signed to Geffen, we were kind of like the redheaded stepchildren <laughs> of Geffen. You know, we, we weren't the priority band when we were released. Uh, we, we actually broke the after the rain record because our manager at the time happened to luck into a gig where Matthew and I filled in for Daisy Fuentes on dial MTV when she went on vacation and we had a shtick and we played acoustic back and forth. This is long before uh, MTV unplugged. And, uh, and, and that's what actually really broke our record had nothing to do with the label. You know, the label jumped on it after the fact and they did a great job at radio. The radio support team was great. But they were caught with their pants down, man. We sold out of the first pressing of 75,000 copies of After the Rain in the first half hour. And it took them two weeks to catch up to printing all those records. A different time, of course, you know, but it was a whirlwind. But I remember those moments like they were yesterday to this day. I remember everything. I remember where I was when I heard my song on the radio for the first time. I remember where I was when I wrote the first song that wound up on that record in Kings Cross, Australia. You know, I remember everything happening, having to do with that record. I remember mixing After the Rain myself because my producer and my engineer decided to take the entire week off. You know, no one was yeah. there. Um, I didn't know it was going to wind up on the radio and, and all that stuff and, and uh, you know, be a, a seminal song from the era. I, you know, I was just, as we all do, just trying to make it work one day at a time. Uh, it, it's just something that it's the legacy is there. It'll always be there. I just remember as a kid and discovering music thinking, wow, the, these two guys with, with long blonde platinum hair just saved this kid, uh, you know, from a, from a horrible life. He's in this trailer park and his life sucks. And now he's in a rainforest and he's watched at a Nelson concert. And that's just what, as a, as a six-year-old that, that stuck with me. And it, and it's, it always has. Oh, and, brother. And well, thank you. You know, Here's some great, some backstory to that video that you're talking about. I was really excited because we had, we we're coming, we we're high off the number one single for, uh, that had preceded it, which was Love and Affection on both radio and MTV. And, and we were a household name at that point. And I loved the video for After the Rain. It was, it actually came to me in a dream. Huh. And I know wow. it's full of a whole bunch of symbolism and stuff, but we were kind of stressed out because we had the date that we were going to, we were supposed to film the follow-up video all booked we had no ideas like at all about what that video was going to be until the night before we went down to shoot. And I had a dream and I just, before I woke up too much, I wrote it all down. And then we went to a production meeting that morning with the, the director producer. And I just told him what the dream was and he wrote up a storyboard and they designed the scenery and they did the whole thing. And we filmed everything from the kid and, and the father, uh, all of those quotes, were quotes uh, from the from the drunk father, what the mother or what our mother had said to me and Matthew when we were growing up. So it was all personal experience, and you know we wish someone had pulled us into their poster. Um, at the time, we would have preferred Heather Thomas or Heather Locklear, but that was then. And then, um, <laughs> you know, we, we made this whole video, and and of course it had this vision quest to it, and, and all of this, and and then it went to the live thing, and we were so excited about the video, we thought it was a great piece of art, and we submitted it into MTV, and Matt and I went on vacation. First one we had in a couple of years, and I call. I remember calling the manager from a payphone, and uh, and saying, "So, what did they think at the acquisition meeting?" And a manager said, "I don't know how to tell you this, but they laughed at it." I said, "What?" He said, "Yeah, they laughed at the video. As a matter of fact, they refused to broadcast it unless you edit out all of the story, all the spiritualism, everything. It's got to be edited out. All the only thing they want is the performance segment." Mm. And I said, I can't do that. 
It, it means too much to me. The message means too much to me. I'm not going to do that. I said, well, they're not going to play your video. I said, well, okay. And he hung up the phone, called me back. He said, look, they, they, they don't understand why you're not going to budge on this. And I said, well, they wouldn't because they have no soul. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to do that because I think this could help people that are out there. So tell you what, you guys spin it on MTV one time a day at three o'clock in the morning. And you tell me what happens to your phones. Because they had a, a show at the time, it was before TRL, uh, called Dial MTV. Oh, yeah. Kids could vote on it, right? And uh, it, it wound up, they, they did that. They called me on that. And um, it wound up being the number one most requested video for two weeks in a row. And they still wouldn't add it. And in desperation, you know, the, the career was stalling. I went to the man who owned our record label, David Geffen, who actually intervened at that point at the highest of levels. And, uh, you know, the next day the, the video was in, in heavy rotation and then a big, you know, hit happened. And all that stuff, but that was the only time I've had to use some political muscle because there are some people in this industry that just for some reason have, you know, just don't like me and Matt for some reason. They they see the image and the long blonde hair and all that's too much for them. They, you know, back in that day, it, it was uncomfortable because we weren't doing black and white warehouse videos. You know, we weren't doing the typical rock bland thing. But that's not who we were. You know, our whole thing was about positivity and about energy and about you know not being a victim. And taking your life and, and your emotions, uh, you're the control of that back. And that's what we were all about. And fortunately, we stuck to our guns and it worked out. Oh, that's an incredible story. I love that. And somehow over these years, I've, I've never heard that. And uh, that's just truly incredible. I'll tell you what, Gunnar, before we let you go, got to hit you with our final four drum roll. Four quick hitting questions. And you give us kind of whatever comes to mind, my friend. Okay. So you're in Nashville. I'm in Kansas City. The Chiefs are defending Super Bowl champions. At least I had that in 2020. If the okay. Titans and Chiefs play again in the playoffs this year, who wins that game? Well, you know, I hate to say this, but the Tennessee Titans always seem to choke <laughs> right at the last minute. So I'm going to have to give it to KC. Well, and to be well, honest with you, I mean, look, I come from a football family. My grandpa, he won the Heisman Trophy at Michigan in 1940. Okay. My uncle Mark, before he was on NCIS, as Gibbs was a starting quarterback at UCLA, a great player. I grew up with football, but, you know, ever since it, you know, became a political forum and all that, to be honest with you, I'm just not watching a lot of football these days. And, you know and I hope that turns around, you know, that's interesting. That's a whole nother conversation. I thought the week one, I was really not happy with that. I think they've kind of gone away from it. To be honest I with think you. The so, damage is I think the damage is done to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah. I, I get you. Remember how I was talking about like musicians and, and, and actors too, because I think actors, I'm so not going to get political here. I'm just saying this is my opinion on it. Our job is to entertain. That's our job. Our job is to entertain and it's to make it give people a, a, a place where they can forget about the pressures of the real world, about the boss who's a dick. Uh, or about what's going on politically in the world or some phantom virus or all that stuff. Our job in moments like this is to take people away from that. Well, not to a, immerse them back in it. I, I, and that, that's it. That's all I'm going to no, say. No, I agree with it. you. I, I tell that, we'll just tell that to Sebastian Bach and Tommy Lee and all will be well, right? They'll, they'll fall in line. No. Well, I mean, you know, what happens <laughs> is when people start believing their own press releases, it's a dangerous thing when you surround yourself just with people who agree with you. Agreed. You know, look what happened to Elvis and Michael Jackson. It's a dangerous thing to do. Okay. Uh, 
But I'm with you. Our opinions are no more important than anyone else's. And I think there are a lot of artists out there that forget that. You know, and I understand that they want to make a difference and they want to do that. The problem is when they cross a line, it no matter which side of the fence you're on, it doesn't matter. But if they think that they they they, they their heads get big, they start believing their own press releases, and they think that there's some authority on people and, and have to browbeat them with this, when frankly, it's just kind of like shut up and do your job. Yeah. Hey. Play the guitar, son. <laughs> Write a great song. Make me happy. You know, remind me of the good old days or introduce me to something that's brand new where I can forget all of this crap that's going on. I love it. That's it. There'll Come be plenty board. of people who jostle for like, you know, opinions on, on all topics. But I, I just personally, I'm one of those guys that, you know, I think my job right now is to deliver an amazing song to people because that's what God put me on this earth to do. That's it. Indeed. And God bless you for that, Gunner. Um, question two what show or shows uh, on Netflix or, or whatever have you kind of caught up on or found interesting oh, during the time, during the pandemic? Dude, I will tell you one thing COVID's been good for is actually catching up on binge watching. Exactly. Okay. I, well, I rewatched one of my favorite shows of all time, which was Breaking Bad from start yes. to finish. That was epic, yeah. of course. I mean, it's straight up enjoyable. Okay. And then, of course, I had to go the, down the Better Call Saul road, you know, as a side thing. Of course. Which was very cool. Um, you know what I noticed? This is really cool. Netflix is like really coming on with some great original films. I mean, I'm not just yeah. talking like episodics, but I mean, really, really, really good stuff. And so, you know, I'm kind of like a fan of, of all of that stuff. I like the Mandalorian on Disney plus, you know, I'm kind of a, a, a star Wars guy. And, sure. uh, what, what else have I been catching up on? I'm trying to think what there's there's one that I recently saw that's really interesting. Uh, I'm a big history buff. I'm pretty into that. I, I do believe that those that don't learn from their history are doomed to repeat it. Um, so I, you know, I'm kind of taken by the whole World War II era. And there was something that, that was recently on Netflix I saw about a week ago that I really enjoyed. And it's called The Liberator. And it's an episodic that's about, I mean, they're long. It's about an hour and a half each one. And there's six installments. And it follows one soldier as he works his way across the European theater and towards the liberation of Europe. And they shot it clearly. They shot it with live film, but then they used a program to make it kind of look like a comic book. So it's, it's hyper-realistic, but it's got this really interesting treatment to it. And, uh, and in the beginning, I didn't like it, but I became addicted to it. And I just thought that was really innovative. I like that too. Putting that on my list. That sounds awesome. Uh, question three, since we didn't get to get into as much scrap metal as I wanted to during this, we'll make this a quick one. Well, we can uh, always get back on the horn at another time and well, do part two. Anytime. Well, I, th no, that anytime. would be just tremendous, but uh, absolutely up for that, of course. Uh, scrap metal, huge fan. Eric Martin, great friend of ours. Kelly Kagi, Mark Slaughter, been on the show a million My times. Boys. Your guys, yeah. what's your yeah. favorite song to play live or moment that you've had with Scrap metal so far. Anything stand okay, out? Okay, so for, for, for all the viewers and listeners out there, scrap metal is something I put together about 10 years ago uh, in the beginning with Mark Slaughter. And this was kind of a, a response to going out and seeing a show for a band that I absolutely love. And I knew two songs, really, that they did. And like all the other fans, I had to suffer through another 12 songs <laughs> of album cuts that were really mediocre. And I was pissed off. I left pissed. And I said, you know... Wouldn't it be cool if someone could put together like a live version of a mixtape with the original people 
but where every song was a massive hit that you knew every word to, that you grew up with sung by the original person that sang that song. And, you know, Mark said, well, you know, people have tried that a couple of times in the past. Logistics are just ridiculous and undoable because for each star, you have to deal with the manager and the publicist and the this and that and the schedule and, and all that. And I said, well, I think that the only way that could work is if everyone's friends. If you do it through the agents, if you do it through the managers, no way it's going to work. And I started calling people on my cell phone. These are all my friends. Eric's my friend. Kelly's my friend. Mark's my friend. Lita's my friend, you know? And, and, and they were all like, well, hell yeah, man. I want to do that. Sounds great. Because for all of us, look, we go out with our bands. Think about this from our perspective. Great. You've got, uh, we got a lot of songs that you guys know, right? And we'll go out, we'll play them. And we play the same set pretty much every night. Like if you go out and see yep. a Cinderella show, I I'm not kidding. I mean, down to the guitar flips, it's the same show that we were on tour with them on in 1991, exactly the same. So from our perspective, man, the groove becomes a rut really quick when you're doing that. And you appreciate the fact these are memories that you're mining and that you're delivering to people, but it's boring for us after a time. It's not challenging, you know? And we do it well, but it's like, where's the fun in that? Sure. A lot of people don't like being challenged. When you do a scrap metal show, it is like five or six artists from the biggest bands from the era that you know. Like for example, last one that we did before COVID, was Mark Slaughter, Kip Winger, me and Matt, Lita Ford, and D. Snyder. Oh, okay. So, so I want you to think about the hits that we all had at our disposal for yeah. a show. And, and, and it's really cool. And as a player, think about it, because we also were the band as well. And our cast, it, ro it rotates based on availability and such. And because of that, we have to learn everybody's songs note for note yeah before every single show which is really challenging right so it keeps it fresh for us it keeps it exciting for us too and our reward is like i mean when i looked over and i realized that shit i'm in twisted sister for a night right or i get exactly. to be in slaughter for a night right it's pretty i'm in striper tonight it's it's the coolest thing and it gives me an opportunity to go out and keep things fresh and get back to what we all got into music for in the first place. We were playing in our garages. We were learning songs and, and, and trying to write bad songs and doing the whole thing. And hopefully we got better over time. But it, it kind of got us all, all of us back who had you know big names and big careers and whatever to that time before the success, before the, the publicists and the record companies and the, the fans to being music fans. And to be honest with you, why this works is because we love each other, we're fans of each other, and we're friends. You know, I'm a genuine fan of Eric Martin's voice. Oh, yeah. I mean, seriously, Eric could sing the phone book, and I'd buy it, to be honest with you. I mean, for real. <laughs> He's... Uh, you know, and, and, and Kelly, don't even get me started on Kelly. Not only is he an amazing drummer um, and, and an amazing human being and an amazing writer, you know, what, I, what I've really loved is this. And I'm only gonna say it here once. Night Ranger was not touring, was not together when Kelly kind of started in the very beginning with Scrap Metal. And we went out, we did a couple of shows. And Jack Blades happened to come to one of those shows and catch Scrap Metal doing the biggest hits from Night Ranger and saw us doing Sister Christian and saw us doing rock in America. 
And all of a sudden, Night Ranger got back together and started doing shows. And I wow. love it when that happens. Janet Gardner from Vixen. I love Janet, her. Love her too. One of my yes. favorite people. I reconnected with Janet. She had gone off the grid. I don't know if you remember this. Vixen had done its thing. Janet had decided to completely leave the music business. And she was out for 15 years. She was a yep. dental hygienist. She was living in Connecticut. She had a, a marriage and a son. And she was over it. And because she was close to the Mohegan Sun Casino, where scrap metal was playing, I was able to find her, track her down, tell her about this. And because it wasn't a show that she would have to carry, she would get to sing four of her biggest hits. Look, it was like, Janet, we've got your back. We all love you. It will be note for note. I mean, this is not going to be a pickup band. This is going to sound better than you've remembered this stuff sounding yeah. since we first came out. And we got your back and she went and she tried it. It was, she was so hesitant. And the second she hit the stage, she just turned back into the rock star. She was always born to be. And Vixen started touring again. Yeah. And every time that's happened after someone has guested with us, it's made me feel so good. Steve Plunkett from Autograph. We were the first gig he did in 22 years. You know, he's a big time like TV and film writer, uh, a, a score writer of music and stuff out in LA. Hadn't done any shows. And we told him about this and he just like joined us once as a yuck and stuff. And as a matter of fact, he had such a great time and had such a great experience. He can't work with us again because he said it was so confusing to him when he's all set in his life. Everything's great. He's making a lot of money. It's like all settled down. And he goes out there and, and he plays, you know, turn up the radio and the place is going nuts. And he's just, he was so good. Awesome. And, and he said, look, I didn't sleep for three days. I was so excited to get back out on the road and tour and do all that. You know, it's kind of like this, uh, it's been this safe haven for all of these people that get a, a break from their normal group of people that they have to tour with, to hang out with their friends and make the fans happy and challenge themselves learning new music and playing that note for note. And we just have a blast. And as hard as they are for me to put on, it's like, it's like kind of like banging your head against the wall. Once it's finally done, it's like the first question everybody asks like, oh man, that was awesome. so hard. We had <laughs> such a great time. When can we do it again? It's like one of those, right? It's so awesome. if Scrabble is coming to your city, the greatest thing about it, it's different every time. It'll be a different cast every time. Yeah. But it's I, always going to be a blast. So don't miss it. Um, last thing. Got her before we let you go. What was the last concert you went to as a fan before this all happened? What let me think. What was the last show I went to? Okay. Uh, well, they happened in the same day. So we'll count okay. it. Uh, okay. I started at the Ryman Auditorium watching our friends in Tesla. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's right. That was right in the middle of their tour. That Right in the middle of it, yeah. Right, so I, I saw my buddies there and then I left their show after they played and I went to the amphitheater that's right down here in downtown Nashville and I saw Joan Jett Sweet. play. So, that's a, that's yeah. a good day. Yeah, it was a good day. <laughs> that's that awesome, day. Gunner. 
Got that that uh, mine was actually Aerosmith in Las Vegas in February. That was mine. So I'll hold cool. on to that dearly for hopefully not too much longer. Gunner, you're the best man. Thank you so much. We'll have to do this again. Maybe oh, we can please. maybe we can drag Matthew on next time and make it uh, an extravaganza. You are the best man. Can't wait to see oh, what you guys have coming up in the future. You're the oh, best. Oh, so are you. So are you. Well, I, I'd love to do a part B of this if they don't lock me up for my lawsuit T-shirt. I don't know if you can see this. Oh, yeah. That scene, yep. they're on you right now. It's over. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you think General Motors is going to have a problem with that? I love it. I love it. We're we're copyright clear here. We're good to go, man. Thank you so much. Take her easy. All stay right. safe and stay healthy, my friend. Oh, always. Always. In the mind. It's in the mind. <laughs> Thank you. What a tremendous honor it was to welcome Gunnar Nelson. Man, that was fun. Getting down to that Final Four drum roll, and usually I'm just throwing out quick questions, and it kind of ends, you know, without much of a much of a fury. But Gunnar was bringing it hard at the end, talking about scrap metal, talking about the last concert he went to, talking about the shows he's binge binge watched, and kind of politics in rock and roll. We've seen a lot of it. Guys like Sebastian Bach and Tommy Lee have gone overboard and have really kind of lost their minds when it comes to politics. And uh, Gunnar kind of sharing his thoughts on, uh, on on some of that. So extremely excited to have done this. If you guys like what we do, again, the website's musicmaniapodcast.com. Always appreciate you stopping by there. Our social media is just search for Music Mania Podcast and hit that subscribe button, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify. In fact, go subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's a Gnitro Entertainment, I-G-N-I-T-R-O. That is the moniker to which all of our entertainment stuff is filed under. We do a lot of interviews with actors and things like that as well on our Save by Nostalgia side. So we're kind of bunched, bunched it all together, put it into uh, you know one big entertainment hub on Ignitro Entertainment. That's the YouTube channel. So we do a lot of these interviews via Zoom. You can check those out, the video version, uh, right there. And of course, we always appreciate you checking out the audio version here on the Music Media Podcast as well, guys. We'll be back next week. We've got so many big interviews coming up. It's going to be exciting right here on the Music Mania Podcast.